again, everybody. Welcome once again to the Fret Club. My name is John Heights. A pleasure every Thursday to bring you these uh, programs. It features interviews I recorded while working for Vintage Guitar Magazine. Check that magazine out at www.vintageguitar.com. This week, we bring you an interview from March of 2018 with Nashville picker Guthrie Trapp. Uh, Guthrie, he's played with tons of artists in Nashville, being one of the city's preeminent studio players. Also supports plenty of acts on stage, among them the legendary Jerry Douglas. Uh, his current gig, when he's not in the studio making recordings with other folks, uh, he plays guitar with John Oates of Hall & Oates fame. Oates tours as a solo act behind his record releases, and Trap is his stage guitarist. Uh, this interview was in conjunction with a dazzling record he put out in 2018 called Life After Dark. Features him playing pretty much every style of music you'd want from a guitar player. Uh, we started with him talking about the record. It's a broad pond, and a, I mean, you know, it's a it's a huge pond of, of guitar players in the, in the in the world. With you know, being obviously such a popular instrument, there's so many different genres and players and styles. I mean, you know, to jump in and do another record, and, and you know, it's just you know, it's it's kind of um, it can be a little scary at, at times. But then you know, when you've been doing it a long time, you just kind of go, hey, I'm putting it out there, but. So this sure. record, uh, this record that I did, uh, the first one is all instrumental and uh, and all electric guitar, but mm-hmm. this one I wanted, I wanted to kind of go back and um, I felt that it was a good time. I just turned 39 in February. I thought it was a good time to go go back and uh, kind of pay homage to a bunch of my influences that that um, you know that got me to, to where I am from when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't I didn't get a chance to play any mandolin or any acoustic guitar. Or any uh, bluegrass, um, you know, related music on the first record. So I definitely wanted to do that. Um, and another reason, another reason for that is because my mom and dad love acoustic music, and they love, they've always loved when I played the mandolin and stuff like that. So that's another reason for doing it. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And there's one kind of pretty traditional song on there that my friend Gove Scrivener wrote that we used to play with him a long time ago. Late, and, uh, that song's called Leaper's Fork, which is named mm-hmm. after a little area here outside of Nashville that a lot of artists and musicians live in. Very beautiful area. And um that's a more traditional song. I played mandolin and acoustic guitar on that. And then um and then the other one, uh Crossing the Bridge is uh a little bit more uh you know, a little bit more new acoustic, uh kind of a little little more more progressive sounding and mm-hmm. I had Sam Bush Stuart Duncan help me out out on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm playing all the acoustic guitars on there. Mike Bubb on bass, and um, and um, uh, let's see, that's uh, Todd Lombardo playing some rhythm guitar on there. So, yeah, I, that's the acoustic side of it. And then um, I definitely want to do some more traditional country music as well. That's the uh, country shuffle that I did with that with Vince Gill and Paul Franklin playing uh, yeah. featured on that. And then um, you know the. Uh, uh, Let's see, Charlie Warson, we did uh, the old Don Gibson song, which I thought is, it's a great old country classic, but a little bit quirky. A little outside mm-hmm. the box on that, the Don Gibson tune. But yeah, so the, with this record, you know, I wanted to have some some vocal guests as well. Uh, the first record I did in 2012, I wanted to do it all on my own because I feel that, um, you know, there's a lot of guitar players that do that do have a, a, you know, a lot of, uh, they have a lot of guests, maybe even on their first record. And uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to come, I wanted to kind of come out and, and, and just do one that wasn't, that didn't have any support from other names. Yeah. And then, uh, and then for this one, I thought, hey, you know, it's time to call on some of my friends. 
I wanted to have, um, you know, like I said, I wanted to have some vocals. I love backing up singers. It's a little bit, in a way, it's a little bit less of a self-indulgent guitar record than the than the first one. Uh, I'm playing a lot more songs on here for, mm-hmm. you know, um, and backing up the singers. But still fun, still getting a chance to solo on, on some of those songs. And, and um, that's kind of where I'm coming from on it. I mean, and, and getting back to the influences, I grew up in a family that was, well, my mom and dad are not players, but... My uncle on my dad's side, my my dad's youngest brother is a self-taught musician, and mm-hmm. uh, I hung out with him all the time. I'm an only child, so I looked up to him like a big brother, great guy, and then, um, you know, uh, always had instruments around and hung out with him a lot after school playing music. And then <clears throat> my mom and dad, although they're not, like I said, they're not players, but they're discerning music uh, aficionados. There was always great music being played around the house. They would always take mm-hmm. me to you know, picking parties and festivals and stuff as a kid. I never had a babysitter and and um and all of our friends, all my mom and dad's friends were were, were mostly artists and musicians down on the Gulf mm-hmm. Coast. You know, we we're we we're like the one percent on the Gulf Coast of people that that actually, you know, uh, weren't listen they weren't listen I wasn't raised on uh top forty or, or any any mm-hmm. you know, the radio was never on in my house unless it was, you know, listening to Prairie Home Companion or something, you know. Sure. Sure. So, raised raised around a lot of uh, really eclectic music, and I think that rubs off on you when you're a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one thing about the album, you already said this basically is uh, it's a guitar album, but it's also a song album, which with some yeah. guitar players that's hard for them to do. Obviously, for you it wasn't. It worked out uh, the way you wanted. It sounds like. Yeah, and and I'm I'm super uh, very fortunate, and the older I get, the more I realize that I'm I'm very very fortunate, and I'm a lucky guy to be able to to not only call these people my friends, but to be able to call on them and and have guys like Vince Gill say yes, I'd love to play on your record, and I'll do whatever you want. I mean, that's a pretty. When I got that voicemail, I was pretty pretty tickled. I mean, those are kind of <laughs> some those those moments in Nashville over the past 16 years have been, you know, key key keystones of my life where you know when i got called to play in jerry douglas's band of course he's been a hero of mine since i've been mm-hmm. a, been a kid you know getting to play with sam bush and, and hang with him and lynn his wife and you know who i've known since i was about six years old you know mm-hmm. from going to these uh festivals and stuff you know the, getting getting to be able to to play music and share the stage with those guys as as musical peers and then also be able to call them up on the phone and go you know, hey man, how's it going? You know, I'd love to get you on this record. Can you come over and do a session? And sure. the, and and they, and they say yes. I mean, that's that to me is like, you know, one of my things that I've come up with in the past couple of years is, you know, everybody views success in the music business differently. And of course, you know, it's great that we can all make a living in a town mm-hmm. like Nashville. But the other thing that I equate success with is, if I have respect from the people that I respect, I consider that success. If you're you know you're you're um you're striving to to kind of get to this point in music that that kind of sets you apart from from other people or you know the way you have your single artistic voice or however you want to you want to say it i mean like i said there's so many people here it could be difficult and you know i'm just very fortunate that i can kind of be recognized as as you know somebody that can hang with those guys you know mm-hmm. Sure, sure, I understand. Uh, you talked a little bit about it already. Uh, you grew up, uh, where did you grow up? You said... Uh, I was born in Pensacola, Florida, raised on the Alabama Pensacola. side. Okay. Yeah, okay. On the state line, yeah. And you, you talked already about uh, the music, uh, kind of the upbringing and stuff. When did uh, it occur to you that perhaps you'd like to 
pick up an instrument and, and actually become a musician? Well, you know, I was about seven or eight years old, and I started mm-hmm. noodling around on the I started noodling around on the harmonica and playing some blues harmonica notes. And uh, you know, I, I, like I said, man, you know, there was a lot of records being played around the house. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, and my uncle's um, my uh, my dad's youngest brother was a uh, was a self taught musician. My dad's my uh, middle his middle brother was just not a not a musician, but listened to a lot of different music. And I remember him turning me on to uh, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Mm-hmm. So I would I would listen to these old blues records, jazz, rock and roll. You know, some rock and roll. The rock and roll that was played in in the house was more Jackson Brown, Van Morrison, Bob Dylan, sure. stuff like that. I wasn't raised on the Beatles and Led Zeppelin like a lot of guitar players. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming from a little different place, but um, you know. With my, my uncle had a band down there. When they would take breaks from rehearsing, I'd always go to their rehearsals. When they would take a break, you know, I'd start picking up the guitar and, and trying to find the second blues harmonica notes I, I could on the on the fretboard of the guitar. And so I learned kind of how to play a little bit of blues lead notes before I learned any chords. And then, mm-hmm. all the, and then eventually these guys were like, hey, you know, you, you know, you, you're able to find your way around on some lead stuff, but you really need to learn some chords. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's more fun to play the lead part. <laughs> but I was, like, yeah, I was like, yeah, this is so much more fun. So, uh, so anyway, so then I started kind of really getting into it, and I'd say when I was around in between ten and thirteen, I started to really take it seriously, got into really learning a bunch of off records and playing mm-hmm. a lot of. I was playing a lot of bluegrass back then. I picked up the mandolin and learned how to play it, and. Um, and then I got hired with some bands on the Gulf Coast when I was around 12 years old and started playing. Nice, nice. And just jumped into playing music. But and here to go back to answer your question, uh, really truthfully, I think when you're when you are when you're raised around that much music and and going to music festivals and stuff, even before I was born, uh, you know, I think that even before, well before you're able to actually physically pick up an instrument. That music is getting in your blood and it's getting in your in your in your soul before you're even able to touch your your fingers onto a fretboard or whatever you're going to do a keyboard whatever, and you're just hearing what those tones and what those sounds and what those rhythms and everything are 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 sounding like you know and feeling like, and I mm-hmm. think that is a huge part of it you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a good description. Uh, most guys don't say that, but I think you're exactly correct because that's kind of the way it happened with me too. So. Um, yeah, got, I'm glad to hear you say that. Uh, you you were uh, basically then. It sounds like uh, I mean, obviously you had help from other musicians, older musicians, fellow musicians, yeah. but basically a self-taught kind of guy. I am. Yeah, I, I never I never really had any lessons. Um, I just you know I learned as much as I could from my uncle, and then being surrounded by all these different players and guys just giving you tips. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm an old child, so I grew up around a lot of older people. Um, that yep. were playing and, and just kind of, you know, we went to these parties where there was Irish music and singer songwriters and bluegrass and, and then, um, at the same time I was, you know, playing the electric guitar and listening to a lot of, um, a lot of blues, some Southern blues and rock like the Almond Brothers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Even, even some Leonard Skinner records and stuff. Not, a, there was, there was not much of that kind of music around my household, but there was a little bit of those records sure. floating around. But, um, sure. but yeah, I mean, you know, um, yeah, that kind of stuff, and 
And, uh, man, I, I got off track there for a second. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, we're just talking about being self-taught. And, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And I, you know, I did have a couple lessons from from a guy in um, in Pensacola that was a jazz player, but I really didn't learn a lot, a whole lot from him. I couldn't – I never picked up reading music, and I was I was not really I, – I, I, I always, I've always done better with kind of hands-on concrete learning more than – rather than abstract learning. My brain okay. just wasn't wired that way, you know? Yeah, I understand. I understand. Uh, as far yeah. as uh, go, going to Nashville, getting there, obviously it's been a while. How uh, I know it's probably a bigger story than we're going to be able to talk about. But how did you know? How did you end up there uh, and playing? Obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is kind of a long story, but I'll try to abbreviate <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like I said, starting around twelve years old, I was playing a lot on the Gulf Coast, coast and that involved into playing with different people down there, some songwriters uh, that had even moved down there from Nashville. Uh, this guy named Gov Scrivener, who was uh, used to play with Doc Watson and did uh, okay. Austin City Limits and had some records in the 70s, worked with Cowboy Jack Clement and, and Marty Stewart mm-hmm. and all these guys. And mm-hmm. uh, he came down, he moved down to the Gulf Coast when I was about, I'd say, uh, 15 or so, year 14 or 15 years old. We went to a New Year's Eve party down there and met him. And then I started playing with him for a long time. He brought me to Nashville to, to record a record with him, uh, and that's when I kind of got to, you know, spend some time in Nashville, meet a bunch mm-hmm. of people. That was in my, you know, mid teens. I was like I said, around 15 or so, and then, um, and I started kind of just, you know, we started meeting some people from Nashville, and then, you know, years later, I, I stopped playing with Gove. I was playing with this other band that we formed on the Gulf Coast, and we'd kind of done everything we could do down there. We toured over in Europe a little bit. We did uh, mm-hmm. all the festivals and private parties and gigs on the Gulf Coast we could do. And I was around 21 at this point, and I just had to get – I knew I had to get out of there. I'd have some kind of heavyweight dudes from Nashville that heard me say, man, you, you ought to think about moving to Nashville. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, what am I supposed to do, just pack my bags and move up there? <laughs> and they said, yeah, we did it when we were 30 years old with three kids. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what you do. You need to just get your ass up there. So I did. I uh, ended up moving up here, and, and um, I was 22, and I've uh, been up here ever since, about 16 years. So Nice. Uh, but the, the, to, to give you a little kind of a cool thing, uh, to, you know, down on the Gulf Coast, there's not a whole lot going on down there. Um, mm-hmm. But what there there is at the Floribama on the Gulf Coast, down in, on Perdido Key, half the clubs in Alabama, half the clubs in Florida. It was almost like the – the 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 Tootsies or the Roberts Western World or something of the Gulf Coast. They had music that started at 11 a.m. and went to 3 a.m. every day, 365 days a year. So sure. there was all these different musicians down there, down there, and bands playing. And so we knew the owner of that club real well. My aunt was the bookkeeper and, and accountant down there. We went down and and they would let me sit in with all these bands and all this different kind of stuff. But once a year, there was a thing called the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival that, that took place down there, and it was the biggest songwriters festival uh, happening, and um, mm-hmm. it still goes on down there. But these guys like Hank Cochran, Red Lane, Mickey Newberry, you know, um, all these yeah. guys would come there, and all the new and up-and-coming songwriters from Nashville. It was like a two- or three-week festival, and I'd be out there playing with all these guys and got to meet Carl Jackson, Larry Cordell, and all these guys from Nashville. Wow. And mm-hmm. and so so those guys were the ones that were like, hey man, you you know Garth Fundus I met down there who's produced a million records who mm-hmm. I still work with, um, and and you know he heard me play with Gove or somebody when I was a, you know a teenager and thought, hey, 
you know, you need to you need to think about moving to Nashville. So I started getting these little notes dropped on me of of of, <laughs> of hey man, it might might be a good idea that for you to kind of pursue you know a career outside of here. So you know, from from getting all that kind of positive reinforcement, you know, it, it kind of it kind of helped for sure. And and so that's what kind of you know, and and the fact that I was that with the fact that I was completely burned out down there. Sure. Um, because we had, I'd played even at that time. By the time I was 21, I had played a ton of gigs down there, mm-hmm. and I, I knew that I knew there had to be something else out there for me, and and I, yeah, that's when I moved up here. Okay. And boy, did that open up a whole new world? I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. Um, and, and it worked out, as they say. <laughs> you know, um, it, you know, it worked out, and it, it's so funny, man. About two hours before you called, I was I was sleeping. I had a gig last night, and I had mm-hmm. awful. I had I just bought a new house over here in East Nashville, and and I've got some. I have a studio and some rental property over in Barry Hill that I bought six years ago. And I was just in the house I, I bought over here is brand new, so it's really nice. Everything's clean, and it's like I've never had a brand new anything in my life. So sure. But so I, I woke up to you know in this house, and, but the dream I had was I was living in this absolutely awful place with the front you know front brick wall of the house was leaning, and and I was like there was stuff everywhere. It was like a it was like an episode of Hoarders. And that's the house I was in. And, and so that was my my kind of nightmare dream. And I woke up and I was like, oh, God, thank God. I'm, that's just a dream. But those are the kind of dreams I have of like, you know, my car won't start. I'm late to a session or, yeah. or I'm yeah. or, or the dream or the dream. The other one, the other dream I had the other night was, you know, uh, um, my friend Jimmy Hall obviously is on the record. He's a friend from Mobile yeah. and, uh, and he plays with Jeff Beck. He sings with Jeff Beck. I'm sure mm-hmm. you know that. Sure. And, yeah. uh, and my my dream was we were out at a Jeff Beck a Jeff Beck gig with Delbert McClinton and Jimmy Hall, and I was sitting in with those guys, and and I looked down and my pedal board is completely torn apart, like the cables are laying on the stage, and like, and I'm just looking at it, going, here's my chance to sit in with Jeff Beck and and Jimmy Hall at the you know the Grimen or something, and I look down and my pedal board is completely torn apart. Those are the kind of dreams we have, like we can't find our. You know, we're on the way to the gig with some famous person, uh, and then look at those strings on it or something. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That stuff just comes from like being afraid that we're not going to ever be prepared for anything. I guess I don't know. Yeah. But, well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm just a weekend guy, but I always dream that I can't remember songs and I don't have any books with me to tell me how to play them. So yeah. I'm up on stage yeah. having no idea what I'm doing. So that's right. my uh, that's my musical oh. dream. I uh, know, isn't that crazy? It's so it really is. Uh, as far as, uh, I know you're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, can we hit a little bit? Uh, you, obviously, you're still doing studio work. Uh-huh. Uh, you're still, you're touring, are you touring John Oates now, right, I think? Yeah, yeah, we're just about to wrap that tour up. I leave to go to Dallas tomorrow morning, and then we're going to go to Connecticut after that uh, this weekend and shoot a TV show. And I wish I could tell you more about that. I'm not I'm not really exactly sure what the TV show is, but it's up okay. there, in, you know, in the Northeast sure. somewhere. And then, and then that tour is pretty much done. And then um, uh, he'll go out with Hall and Oates for a couple months, and then mm-hmm. we're going to go. Then when he's done with that, we'll hit Europe, and then some more dates in the U.S. So he's loving this band. It's just a four piece. We added, um, we played on the record, and then, um, and then so for, and then um, let me see how I can say. 
So for some of the dates we did, we did New Orleans and New York. We had Sam Bush and Russ Paul, who both played on the record. And then for the, oh, okay. the, two, the, the then for two dates on the West Coast, these guys didn't do all the dates, but they did just a select few, um, the bigger cities. We did L.A. and San Francisco, and we had Sam Bush and Paul Franklin joined us on that. So it was a lot of fun playing with those guys. Well, no, I was just going to say one last thing is the man of all the artists I've ever worked with, John Oates is by far the best. Cool. He's a good friend and he's an amazing guy to work with. Okay. Very nice. Uh, what about yeah. the, uh, your stuff, uh, say for the album, uh, you doing gigs around Nashville playing any of that or how, you know, in, in your own name for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll do some stuff. We're, me and I'm working with a guy, Chris Ford, right now, who's helping me manage some stuff. And, and uh, we're working on getting some more stuff for the trio, some festivals uh, mm-hmm. coming up. But I don't have, like, a big tour or anything um, yep. uh, planned for this record, only because I've, I've just never done that. I've always backed up other people. And the gigs I've done as a trio or with mm-hmm. a band have all either been locally or stuff that comes to me that's going to pay really good. You know, I've never gone yep. out and, and really tried to do my trio. But that's the next chapter of my life is I want to get out there and start playing more under my own name for sure. Got it. Uh, you do some online stuff. I know it's a whole new brave world out there for artists, but uh, uh, you do lessons, you do um, whole things, uh, seminars, whatever. I don't know what to call them, but right, you're doing a little more of that. It sounds like, looks like. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do some. You know, I'll, I'll go do some clinics, and then, um, and then. Uh, I'm with. I'm teamed up with this amazing company out of Napa, California, called Artist Works, which is to me the greatest online yeah, lesson yeah. company in the, in the business. And then they do uh, the thing that makes them, you know, that kind of sets them apart is they do this thing called the video exchanges, where you've got full access to all the lessons that we've filmed online, but then you've also got uh, the opportunity to send me a, a personal video of your progress, or if you need any help with anything, and then I get that in my queue. And I send you back a video. So, you know, if somebody's in Korea and they want to, you know, go back and forth with videos, we can do that. Oh, and, okay. And uh, so that, that's that been going really, really well. And there's a ton of great, great um, – I've got a bunch of – I've got about probably 600 students worldwide, and that keeps that school keeps growing. But uh, that's been wow. amazing. It's a good income stream. People are learning a lot. I get really, really positive feedback from a bunch of different people. And that's going really well. And then I'm part – uh, I'm part of a um, postgraduate music school that we started here in Nashville called Segway 61, and okay. that's uh, via via partners uh, in North Carolina. And uh, I'm the creative coordinator for that. I help provide mentors and kind of put the curriculum together with these guys. And that's an eight-month certificate-based, fully accredited, um, you know, crash course in everything you need to know to survive in the music business that you don't learn in college. Sure. So we're giving you sure. we're, we're giving you a little bit of a head start on on things you know any, anywhere from um, you know networking and social media and all that kind of stuff to um, you know and if you're you know say you come and you're an engineer you also have to take publishing tour managing workshops you have to take mm-hmm. um, uh, songwriting workshops you have to take all the so if, if you come and you want to be a publisher you still have to take engineering workshops and all this different kind of stuff just so you can be able to communicate uh, mm-hmm. with everybody in town. So it's a really, really cool school. It's it's mentor-driven. We've got a 150, a depth chart of 150 of Nashville's top working professionals that come over and teach. And uh, it's just really amazing. And right now we're 
we're recruiting for the August class. So we're trying to put the word out about um, kids to apply for the August school. So that's been something that's been going for the past couple of years. It's been pretty amazing. And, you know, all this stuff is great because uh, it's irons in the fire for me, but it's, uh, it also doesn't, uh, none of these people want any of this stuff to conflict with me being a guitar player also. That's why I'm involved in it, you know? So Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want people to think that I've got a day job by any means, but it's also stuff, <laughs> stuff that's a little, it's stuff that's just a little bit, you know, it, I, if, if these opportunities come to me and I think I can uh, offer something to them and they, and, and they will, you know, you know, uh, you know, progress my career in some way, then I, I, I say yes, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. You, you got your own pedal too, right? <laughs> I remember yeah, seeing the, Yeah. Yeah. I've got the GTO, which is the Guffy mm-hmm. Trap Overdrive through J Rocket Audio. Which uh, I love those guys, Chris, and all those guys over there are super. And we kind of just developed this pedal. I've been getting a lot of a, a ton of, of great feedback from that as well. It's a good selling pedal, and I'm pretty good. proud of that. It's just a really nice overdrive pedal. Okay, uh, can we talk yep. just a little bit guitar and amp stuff? And uh, that's what do it actually. What uh, I guess since you are a uh, and I know there's stuff on your website too that I can grab some stuff off of but say uh if you're out with John Oates uh what what are you probably playing for the most part <laughs> uh, well yeah I'm yeah I'm taking there's a there's a, a a new guitar that I started playing not too long ago called a Russ Paul and Russ Paul is a, a steel guitar and guitarist here in town he's a mm-hmm. huge session guy very cool dude he also plays uh, with Dan Auerbach. You can catch him on tours okay. on doing that. But but he started building guitars and leather bags and stuff. He's just a he's just kind of a Renaissance man. He's into all this different kind of stuff. They're great guitars. I've got a I've got a uh, I've got two tellies of his. But when I go out with those, we're flying. So I'm trying to travel as light as I possibly can. So I take a small yeah. pedal board. I backline a Fender Deluxe Reverb reissue, and then I I uh, I, I play the Russ Paul telly, put it in a gig bag, and carry it on the plane with me. Nice. Okay. Uh, for yeah. the record, uh, for the album, what uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot that you use, but do you do you have uh, maybe the rest balls are what your favorites are? Are those your favorites when you're uh, doing other stuff too, recording, etc., that kind of thing? Yeah, I'll use those on sessions. I just bought a okay. Danocast Strat not too long ago. That's really great. Okay. I love my I love my '69 335. I played that on a ton of stuff mm-hmm. on the record. I played some old Tyscos for the slide stuff on there. Uh, nope. And I actually, I actually played a Telecaster that I owned that I don't own anymore. I played a lot on the record, uh, okay. and then I'm trying to resurrect my Floyd Telly uh, that I've had for 15 years, and I, 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 it, I had it refretted and it kind of changed the guitar. So I'm in the process right now of getting that guitar, uh, trying to get it back to uh, to being you know comfortable to play. But um, sure. but yeah, the the, free, the 335 is a big one, and the Russ Paul Tellys are, are are up up in the number one slot right now. Okay, uh, as far as amps go, uh, say you're playing around Nashville, if you don't have to travel, what uh, what yeah. would you use? Uh, I would either, either either use my 66 uh, Deluxe Reverb, mm-hmm. um, or I would or Fender, or I would use my uh, uh, 65 Fender uh, Vibrolux Reverb. And then I've got uh, I've got an old Blackface Pro Reverb and a Blackface Princeton Reverb. I love the Blackface Fender Reverb. And then I've got yeah. a Bogner um, I've got a Bogner uh, Goldfinger, which is their vintage kind of model amp. It's really really cool. I use that a ton on the record. 
uh, great okay. little head and an open back for uh, 212 cabinet. And, um, and yeah, that's about it. I got okay. to bring up tons of pedals and some different pedal boards and stuff like that. But, yep. Um, yeah, that actually, I know, uh, I can direct people to videos actually of you messing with that stuff. So instead yeah, of yeah, having yeah. to list, list everything. Right. Uh, totally. Um, yeah, I, that's about all I have, Guthrie. Anything else you want to throw out there? Um, you know, we'll just be able to write maybe, something good here. Yeah. 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 Maybe, just, maybe just say, uh, thanks to everybody that's, that's being supportive of the record and, and thanks for all the positive feedback. And, and, you know, that would be a nice little message to throw out there. That's Guthrie Trap from an interview in 2018. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, please tune in again next week for a new edition of the Fret Club. My name is John Height. If you'd like to email me about the program, feel free, jhight at hpi.com. That's H-E-I-D-T. Or you can message me at the Fret Club's Facebook or Twitter pages if you'd like to advertise or know somebody that might want to. Please contact me. We love the program. We'd love to keep doing it. Uh, it's the Fret Club, and I will talk to you again in another week. <laughs>